If you could go on tour with Madonna or Prince, who would you choose? Madonna. Why? Because I don't like Prince. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? I don't. I don't like Prince. I don't, like I'm sad he died, but I don't like Crosby Ray. I don't like whatever the other songs are. He's fine. I just you know I don't really get it. So it's my secret shame was out to the world. Yeah, I mean I this is a bold statement. Bold statement. <laughs> Shocking statement from <laughs> Stephanie of Bath. Okay, so Madonna. But Madonna's my jam. I love Madonna. I mean, I have seen you at karaoke, and I know you can bust some moves and some songs, yeah. so I could see you there with Madonna. Yes. So it was super interesting listening to this week's Bird Talked interview because she's toured with Madonna. She's doing the dream job that we all had. I mean, a lot of us had it. What would happen if you just went on tour with your favorite musician? I think also with Madonna, you know, if you're a dancer, you're going to pick Madonna because she's got moves for days. Like, it like, seems to be the dream scenario to go on tour with somebody yeah. like that. It was fascinating to hear her, the, the process of what it's like to go on tour um, anyway, the, the, what go, the behind the scenes, the rehearsals and then on top of that you throw Madonna in there and you're like what the hell like how does this happen yeah and the fact that it was her first sort of big deal job as a dancer and she did like the biggest deal job after walking away from the industry for six or so months to go and work in India and try and sort of regroup herself a little bit and she came back and and then she booked it. This amazing thing happened, yeah. Yeah, and actually... It's super interesting. To that point, she did say something really interesting around um, sometimes the world isn't ready for you and sometimes you're not ready for the world. So that was really nice. She, she tied it to that moment of, like, stepping away, thinking she might walk away from dancing, taking that time out for herself, and then coming back and booking Madonna. It's amazing. Super interesting. She had some really good advice on following your passion and you know not defining yourself as to whether you get paid by doing it and I loved it yeah I think it was awesome so this week's bird is Reshma Gajar who's a dancer and actress a lot of you are probably familiar with her and her moves on La La Land but with that we'll let Reshma take it away <laughs> I was reading up on you and I was like, I don't even know where to begin because <laughs> there's so much cool stuff that I'm like, I don't want to talk about touring with Madonna. I want to talk about La La Land. I want to talk about living in Mumbai. Do you remember your first week in LA? Oh, yes, I do. Um, well, there's like a couple of beginnings to my LA. I came here on a scholarship to the Edge, which is a performing arts center in Hollywood. Um, didn't know you could be a dancer. I didn't know if I, I didn't even know I wanted to be a dancer until the scholarship was presented. And that's a whole other story mm -hmm. which I can tell you about. But um, I remember coming to LA and auditioning for this scholarship and getting it and like, feeling like my life is literally about to change. Like I felt like the, the clouds parting and like the sun shining on. There was so much clarity about where I was going and what I was about to do. And it was the best, still one of the best years of my life being on that scholarship because it, it literally was me 
finally in alignment with my element. And it was a lot of hard work, but it was a dream. And I, that week is when I like met the people I was on scholarship with. Those people are still my like chosen family. What an experience. But you said that before the scholarship came around, dancing wasn't like... I was dancing my whole life. Okay. Like I started dancing when I was three and I was doing it for fun. Nobody was nurturing this in me to like do it as a profession. It was totally a hobby. My mom put me in it because she thought I had a lot of energy and she actually wanted to put me in Bharatanatyam, which is like the Indian classical dance, but she couldn't find a studio where we lived. And so she put me in ballet and tap jazz, hip hop. No, it wasn't hip hop yet. Tap jazz, ballet, tumbling and Polynesian were the first types of dance wow. I learned when I was three. Starting at that, starting there. and um, Starting simple. Yeah, starting simple. I fell in love with it. And then I, once she did find a Bartonathium school, I, I was like, I'm good over here. I, I don't, you know, this is where I belong. And as I got older, I went to, I was like on my way to college. Cause that's what, you know, where I'm from, like you go to college, like there's no question. My education is like first. So I'm on my way to college. I don't know what I want to study, maybe marine biology. And I was at the school, I was at UC Santa Cruz and I started feeling like really like, I've never been depressed. I mean, you know, we've all been sad and puberty and all that stuff. But I felt like a different kind of, it was like a body sad, like a total depression. Like, what is going on? Why do I feel this way? I'm like a, I'm like a happy person. Why do I feel crazy? You know, studying biology, thinking that this is what I'm doing. And then I'm like, you know, maybe I should take a dance class because something familiar, you know. And I went to take this dance dance class and that was when everything changed because the dance teacher, the professor of dance at the school saw me and she was like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm studying biology, you know, <laughs> I'm a marine biologist or a forest stranger. Obviously. Or, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but. And she, she saw potential in me and basically introduced me to the world of dance that I didn't even know about. Like I did not know you could be a dancer. And I don't know why I didn't put one and one together. Like I would watch movies with dance in it. I would see, but I would never see anyone that looked like me. You know what I mean? So I didn't like connect the dot that that's something that I could do. I mean, that's something I had a revelation about later that like, I didn't see anyone that looked like me, like an ethnic girl, you know, doing this. Not only that, like a, like an Indian girl doing this. So I didn't, well, I didn't relate it to me. So that's how it happened. And then I got the scholarship and that's when I was like, I'm supposed to be a dancer. So what was that conversation like with your parents? Oh yeah. That was the beginning of lots of crying, trying to convince them and they're not convinced I think for them, it was such a foreign thing that it was scary, especially for Indian immigrants too. Like they want something safe, lawyer, doctor, engineer, like art. No. And dancing is not something that is um, maybe as respected of a profession. An Indian girl is supposed to be like taken care of, you know, like sheltered, protected, you know, because we, it's a long story why that is. So being a dancer, I think there's like all this connotation and like stuff that goes with that, that they assume, you know? Right. And so I think that my dad was like not into that idea. My mom was like, no way. And then it was the first time in my life that I basically told them that I was going to do it regardless if they were going to support me. But I just really hoped that they'd give me their blessing. When they realized I wasn't joking around and it was like months of crying and it wasn't like the time I wanted to be a basketball player, you know, and like, you're like, oh, this is not fickle and fleeting. Like, this is serious. She actually is going to do this without our support. She's going to figure it out without us. Wow. And they're like, well, as long as you go to college and finish your degree, we'll support your decision. And I was like, oh, 
oh, that, that's it? Sure, I'll do that. Hardest thing ever, but I was like, whatever it takes to make you guys feel comfortable. This is the biology degree. I didn't get it, end up getting biology. I ended up getting business law. Okay. Right, which, that's a whole other story. But somehow I ended up in business law. You were still dancing throughout the time you were doing college. You graduated college with business law. Yes. And then what? It's so funny because the whole schooling while I was in dance, I was doing it, obviously, please my parents. But it was taking a toll on my dance career because I couldn't put 100% into it. And I also couldn't put 100% into my school. So both got 50% of my time and nothing came out of it. I mean, I, I did end up with a degree, but as a, as a dance, like I, I didn't actually end up really working until I graduated from college, which I think was like energetically, I just wasn't able to give that kind of time to it, even though I was hustling and trying. When I did graduate, you know, I was just doing the more of the same, so auditioning, 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 going to every audition, regardless of they were even asking for someone that looked like me. I was like, you know, they're like, we want tall white girls. I'm like, I'm still going to go to this audition. <laughs> Here I am. Here I am. Yeah. Because I was super eager and I knew I was going to learn something, you know, even if I, they didn't want me. From just the process of auditioning. From just the process of auditioning. Mm -hmm. I had the energy. In the beginning, I was not working. I got to a place where I felt like, the business part of this industry was getting to me and I felt like it was a very self-obsessed also in entertainment, like being the performer is a very self-obsessed, like everything's about you, me, I'm selling myself, right? you know, and I started to get really disheartened and not liking how that felt and the struggle was real. So <laughs> I, I decided to stop. I was like, I'm not dancing anymore. I like literally quit and I went to India for nine months my friend reached out to me and said i'm starting this nonprofit called indicore it's like the peace corps for india and for people who are from indian descent to go to india and develop do development work but also in the process get to know their motherland and i was like that sounds amazing and real something yeah. so opposite of what i'm dealing with right now it changed my life i was like what this is amazing i started working with this one fellow whose project was to write direct and I was choreographing a musical with underserved kids on the streets and the slums they were so talented they were so brilliant and I was just like these kids are never going to have the opportunity that I have just being an American they're never going to go anywhere with this and it just made me really kind of put things in perspective and I realized like if I don't go back to LA and do what I want to do and follow my quote dreams you know then I'm cheating them I'm cheating all of them and so I went back to LA with this feeling of I don't care if I ever work I just want to do it because I love it and if I am doing it then I am it whether I make money doing it doesn't define me as that person so if I'm dancing every day therefore I'm a dancer regardless if I make money doing it and so I had that mentality. I didn't expect anything from anyone. And I came back and then I started working. I was like, and I like booked Madonna. I Shut booked up. all this other stuff. It was like, it was like all these lessons were trying, like I, the universe was like trying to like teach me all these lessons. It sounds like it's, it's that mental shift. I wonder if there was another way, like if you hadn't gone there, would you have had the ability to book Madonna? I also think it was timing because with with the like your perspective shift, shift and mentality, 
sometimes the world is not ready. You know what I mean? But sometimes you're not ready. And I think it was like, I wasn't ready and the world wasn't ready for me. And then all of a sudden I was ready and then the world was ready. And it was almost like the universe knew when I, when the world was going to be ready for me. And I just had to like kill time to figure out how to get there. That's really interesting. I think just from like my own personal experience, when you're trying to make something happen and you're so focused on it and it's not working out, sometimes the best thing to do is to step away take a bit of time whether that's literally a day or a year this just idea of patience or this idea of maybe you just don't have all the information at this time to be able to move forward Mm -hmm. so madonna (laughs) (laughs) how's that that was a dream come true the budget was really good and it was my first experience so uh, my expectations after that were so high because i was (laughs) like this is the life you know we're staying at like these four or five star hotels and, you know, getting swag all the time and going to all these parties. And it was just so fun. It was nuts. And everybody on that tour was like so full of light. Like it was such a, the vibe of the group of people was really positive. And she made a documentary called, I'm going to tell you a secret. Mm -hmm. And it's about that tour. So I think that was another part of it that made it so magical is that it's documented. What is that process of a show like that from a day-to-day stage to performing? We rehearsed for months, full, I want to say like eight to 10 hour days for weeks to rehearse the show in like a sound stage, taped up floor that was about the size of the stage, full costumes. Every day I feel like I was always in like the fishnet tights, something tight, whatever kind of type shoes that we were kind of dancing in, like while we were rehearsing for the show, choreographers, this was the experience of the reinvention tour. I mean, every tour I think is a little bit different. There was also choreographers auditioning to be choreographers. So choreographers would come in and we would watch them audition to be choreographers. And then if, when they got the gig, we also had to audition the work. So there was one piece, I'll never forget this. Choreographer came in and taught us a number but we had to learn like 20 different versions of the same dance to sh- keep showing her and the artistic director our brains were like scrambled eggs by the end of the day because we learned so many versions of the same dance because it had to get approved you know and like by who madonna by madonna and and the artistic director jamie king at the time so it was really rigorous it was of such a rigorous process So we do that for a really long time. And then we ended up at the Forum, which is the first venue that we opened the show with. So, and then we rehearsed there for like a month, working on the stage, working with Madonna, you know, cues, lights. Then we're rehearsing in the actual space, which changes things. Very calculated. Mm -hmm. Like the show is very choreographed and calculated. There's no room for like, well, I want to try something here and like improvise. No, it's very calculated. What happens if you like miss a step or something? I mean, it's fine. As long as you don't miss your cues with her. There's a lot of interaction with her to make sure she knows where she's going. You know, timing of certain songs, what you're supposed to do with her, which triggers other things that someone else is doing with it. Like it's very, just as just choreographed. Is there pressure throughout that, that whole time? Or is it because you've done it so much that... It's kind of like, oh, we're just doing it, going through the motions. It's not like, oh my God, it's my cue next. I'm going to fuck this up. 
I didn't get handed cues that were really stressful. You know, I actually enjoyed every time I got a cue with her because that meant I got to connect with her on stage. And that was cool. Otherwise, you're like dancing next to her or behind her. But unless you're connecting with her, then you actually making eye contact, making physical contact, which really changes the dynamics when you're dancing next to someone versus partnering someone. Did you have to create a relationship with her outside of dancing? We did cultivate a friendship outside of dance, but she was still my boss. I mean, for me, I really, I don't know where this comes from, but I really, I don't like to cross the line. I want to be her friend and, you know, that's there and we're friends and we have like a, I don't ever want to, when I'm working with her, I don't ever, she's still my boss. Mm. You know what I mean? And I don't ever get that twisted. I know there's a lot of people, you know, who forget that. I just feel like that's a dangerous place to be because if you, if something happens and you guys aren't friends anymore, then you don't work for her anymore. And at the end of the day, this is my job. It's not about being her friend. It's about being a professional, doing my job. And she hired me to do that. She didn't hire me to be her friend. So it was like interesting though, because she also loved her dancers. She loved her um, musicians. So if you're a musician or a dancer on the tour that I was on, I don't know, things maybe have changed. But for me, we were always safe. You know what I mean? We were safe because she loved us. She wanted us around. She wanted us to be at all of her parties. That's a really interesting insight of she's your boss. For me, dancing obviously is so foreign. But when you break it down, like just like any job, there's a boss and yeah, yeah. your friendship. I was like, this is a probably a really weird question, but how do you get paid for something like this? It's interesting because dancers don't really have a union. A bunch of dancers got together and created an alliance. We try to keep the bar at a certain rate of getting dancers paid because because then we're not protected. And um, there's a lot of dancers out there who will obviously do things for free because they want to, but it kind of like sets the bar really low and then we don't get treated really well. And it's just like this whole rigmarole mm-hmm. cycle that happens. And then if you if you work in television and film, then, then you're part of the union with SAG and AFTRA. So then there's rates. So if you do any kind of movie or television, there's a rate that dancers make and it's like a set okay. amount. For music videos, there's not really a specific rate, which is why people try to do the Dancers Alliance rate. There's no union when it comes to touring either. So it's totally a negotiation. I've danced for many different artists on different tours and my rate's always been different. It's not like a a set rate that you get paid as a dancer. It's totally up to the budget and the artist. I have an agent. So basically dancers have agents too. Some dancers don't, but you want an agent. Yeah. And they kind of, you know, get you jobs. People know how to find you through them. Um, You're protected. They'll take care of like making sure you got paid. So now, basically, I'm transitioning also into acting. The dancing is kind of my career in the sense of how I make my money. I'm just kind of doing the jobs that I I feel very much in alignment. But I love it too much to stop. So I'm going to continue to do it forever. But my time and my energy now is, like, focused into acting. This idea of, like, rejection. Like, I think we're all pretty familiar with acting or anything like that. It's just so hard to get into and the constant rejection did you find a way to deal with that? How are you with it now as opposed to when you first started your career? Well, in the beginning, I was very resilient, but I got to a point where it got to me, which is why I decided to leave. But when I came back, I was even more resilient. 
I always tell people who want to be dancers, you have to love it to do it. It's not a gig that you get paid a lot to do it. You know, you don't make a lot of money. You're kind of at the bottom of the, like, even though people, oh my God, people love dancers. They always want them around. They always want to hire them. But at the end of the day, when there's a hierarchy, we are at the bottom, you know, and you can feel it. You have to really love to dance in order to do it because there's not a lot of perks. You know, when there are, you like, you really rein them in, right? Like you have to be thick skinned because you are being rejected on a regular basis. And I don't ever take it personally. In the beginning, I think I was because I knew I wasn't getting it because of how I looked. It was so obvious that like I would get to the end of every audition. I was good enough as a dancer to make it to the end of every audition. And then I wouldn't book it. And it was because I was being typecasted and I would see that they wanted like a white girl, a black girl, maybe a Latin girl. If they went ethnic, then they went maybe Japanese or something like that. I was too exotic. I was too ethnic. And I think that really got to me. And that's when I was like, you know what? This is too much about the self. And I started feeling a little crazy. That's why I left. I went to India because I was like, this doesn't feel right. That's also why I think the world wasn't ready. And then when I came back, I happened to audition for a woman who was looking for that. She was looking for someone that looked like me. Yeah, in the beginning, the rejection did get to me. And then, and then I realized that it's never really personal. You weren't right for the project. Mm-hmm. Have you seen a big change in, the, in just the last five years of who's getting cast? I definitely think that, the, at least in the dance world, there's a, a lot more inclusion of ethnicities and stuff, for sure. But it's funny because when I came out here, I did not meet any other Indian girls. I was the only Indian girl in LA that I ever met. If you guys were out there, I did not meet you and I was looking for you. Like, I was literally like, where are my people? Which you would think is like a good thing because I was the only Indian girl, but sometimes it's like, no man, you're too ethnic. We can't even relate to you. But now I feel like they're bringing it more in. And And what about your parents now? Are they still like hoping you'll be a lawyer? (laughs) (laughs) I think... My mom has definitely accepted the fact that I am an artist. As soon as I started working and they saw that I could do this, I mean, there was one point where I was in college and I was struggling to do both and they could see that I was struggling and they're like, you know what? If you don't want to finish college, it's okay. Like they literally let me off the hook and I was like, oh, hell no, I did not come this far to not finish, but they were ready for me to stop. And then when I started working, they were so, they're so proud. I mean, they went to every show, every, anything that they, they could. They're they very, love very Madonna proud. now. They love, Who's Madonna? Yeah. They're <laughs> like, what? Who? When you think about yourself or how you describe yourself to people, what do you say? I see myself as a first generation American from immigrant parents that came from India. I very much identify with that. It was a big part of my childhood was being an immigrant's daughter, first generation American. That's like a whole culture in itself. I see myself as a performing artist, definitely a dancer first. Why I say performing artist is because I feel like there's so much that can go into that. There's not, it's not just dance. I can tell stories, be an artist through many mediums like acting, ceramics, fashion. It was interesting when you were saying earlier when you moved out here and you were looking for the Indian women. Yeah. Why? Why? Because of that Indian community that is very much something that you're drawn to? 
I think it was because I just wanted to find somebody that I could relate to. It's not that I needed the community because I had the community. I, I had the community with my friends who were on scholarship with me. I wanted to see more people like me, you know, that look like me. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think I wanted to connect on a level that the people that I was, that was part of my community couldn't connect with me with. They couldn't connect with the way that I was brought up. I was brought up in a very conservative home. Like I said, first generation American, two cultures clashing. I'm trying to be an American, but hold on to the values that my parents brought from India. My parents are wanting to instill the values in me and afraid that I'm going to lose the values, but then they don't want me to like not be American enough to where that I can't succeed in this country that they brought me to. We were very frugal when they first got here, even though they were educated, highly educated people, they still, because of where they came from, were doing like factory, like assembly work. And because they always wanted to make sure that we had enough the way that we dealt with money was different. You know, like we were always saving. We were always talking about what we need versus what we want. And also my parents were sheltered me a lot. They didn't want me to leave the house because they didn't trust the world. It's another reason why I think I loved dance so much because it was my freedom. It was the only thing that I was allowed to leave the house and do. I wasn't allowed to hang out. You know, like hanging out, God, what could come out of hanging out? Like bad things come out of hanging out. Like if I was studying in a study group, that's different. Or if I was in a math club and, you know, doing something that had purpose, that made my parents feel safe. But if I just was like hanging out at the mall, oh no, that's bad news bears. My American friends like could not relate to my, how excited I was to hang out or like how hard it was for me to like buy something at the mall without like thinking about it for like weeks if I really needed it or wanted it. These are little tiny things that made me feel very different. There's so many things. Yeah, that need and want is really (laughs) interesting. But I was just thinking about in terms of your education, the need to do law as opposed to the want of dancing. Mm -hmm. And it just switches at so much the feeling behind it. of like, I need to be a lawyer. That sucks. But yeah, it's super interesting. When you go to India, how do you feel? I love India so much. I'm very connected to it. I'm fascinated. And also a part of me wishes I could just live in India and live that life. It's such a different life. But it's a hard life too, I think, even if you have it and you've got it made. There's so much extreme. I mean, also I went, I was in Bombay. I wasn't like in the beautiful villages where it's lush and lovely. I was in Bombay, which is a completely, it's like saying New York is America. It's not. New York is a very small little, you know, a lot of people have that experience of New York, but that's not the rest of America. There's a lot of America that doesn't look anything like New York. That's like Bombay. Bombay is nothing like the rest of India. I do fantasize, like, what if I grew up here? What if I was raised here? Like, what my life would have been like? I'm very curious, and I would, I wish I could have that sliding doors experience to, to do that, because I think I would have really liked it. What's the best piece of advice you could give? Oh, yeah, yeah. There is something that somebody had told me once, and it really stuck with me. In the, in, in the entertainment industry, whether you're a dancer or an actor, it's a last man standing game. It's not about how talented you are. Yes, you must be talented, but talented people don't always make it. It's not about how beautiful you are. Yes, beautiful, it helps to be good looking, but a lot of beautiful people don't make it. It's not about 
how many connections you have because even if you have the connections doesn't mean you're going to make it it is literally perseverance and a last man standing game and which is why i say love what you do because if you love with what you do it doesn't matter if you make it quote make it or not and what defines success is up to you right so whether or not you make it or not you're doing what you love every day if you go with that then you'll always be happy just to bring it back to this one point when you were like, oh, what was it for you to see another Indian person? What was that about? And I'm realizing, because it, it spinned back on me when I did La La Land, because I got a lot of emails from people that I didn't know, just telling me that it was so nice to see somebody that looked like them in a film like that. You would never expect an Indian girl opening a Hollywood musical film. That is the feedback that I was getting. Mm -hmm. They felt so good to see somebody that looked like them. So it's a thing. <laughs> it's a yeah. thing. I think it really, like, it makes people feel like anything's possible. When you look at your career and, like, what you've done and what you're doing now, do you feel like, oh, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm doing you know, I, I'm a bit of a joke or mm -hmm. people are going to find me out, you know, that imposter sy syndrome. So when somebody sends you an email and says like, oh, wow, you changed my day. Or, do you feel that's amazing? Or do you feel like, oh, shit, me? Like, <laughs> you know, where, where's this like sort of balance between like just like pride and, and knowing, yes, you're doing something good and you're good at it? Yeah, we may think they both exist, definitely. But I think... It's important to have both, you know? I think it's important to feel like, oh my God, they're gonna find me out. It's good because I think it really, it really makes you look at yourself. It, it just kind of inspires you. It's still motivation to constantly up your craft and not get comfortable. I think when you get comfortable or you think you know everything, that's when I think you are kind of an imposter because you can't ever know everything and you can't always be amazing and you're not perfect because we are imperfect. That is the truth of it all. That's important to have and I definitely have it inside me. Because it's a hard gig, when you do get the love, it really makes it your day. Somebody sees me, thank you for seeing me. That's a great answer. <laughs> Um, we didn't even talk about that, but I just want to say congrats. <laughs> that was you. wonderful. Thank and you. thanks for welcoming us to that world. <laughs>